Good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. It's good to see all of you here and uh, truly appreciate all the mothers out there and all the people who are out there because you had a mother and she gave birth to you, so I'm grateful for all of you. really means the world to me as well as you've been praying for myself and Katie as we're going through this trying time. Very interesting. I love that song. studying the Psalms, and this day we're going to look at Psalm 6, but before I get to that, let me tell you a story, a story that many of us have heard before, yet might never have experienced, or we have experienced, or you know someone who has experienced this kind of story, but um, there was a man who seemingly had everything, he had a wife, he had kids, good paying job, he had great friends, he saved money, and a little bit, not a lot. He lived a life of hard work, and he took care of those who he loved. He cared for the needs of others, and he was brought up by a, a couple who taught him to think of others more important than himself. someone he knew made a terrible mistake, and he stuck up for his friend. And now, this friend of his committed a crime, a pretty serious crime, so he sticks up for this guy, and he's going to get in trouble because his biggest rival business noticed this crime that this guy did, that, that the other guy did, that this guy he knew was going to stick up for him. And so he had really good reason, knowing that this guy was going to help out his friend who committed the crime, really good reason to get this man into real trouble, jail time trouble. Even though his rival knew he didn't do the crime, he knew that this man would do the time because he was just that kind of guy. sorry. He felt sorry. 
so he tried and he knew life was going to be different. But instead of paying the penalty for something he did, he was going to pay the penalty for something he didn't do, and it was going to end his life for a long time. And in a last-ditch effort, he cries out to God and asks for help. He didn't even know if God was listening. However, he prayed. Come to find out, God was listening. He heard his prayer and answered him. Today, we're going to see something similar with what David's going through. This is a personal, repentant song or something where he's having repentance, David. He's at the end of his rope, and he does something so important that all of us in this life need to do. That's come to repentance, come to our end, to pray. And so that's what this is doing. That's what David's going to do. So let's look at Psalm 6 and see what God has for us today. Psalm 6 is repentance and prayer. These are the two main things that we see from David here. And he's in trouble. He's stuck. He's in a situation that he didn't necessarily create. And yet he's calling out to God in that last-ditch effort. What do you need from me? So he calls out to God, just like the man in the story. So here it is. He says, Psalm 6, to the choir master, the stringed instruments, according to Shimna. Psalm of David, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are in trouble. Rebuke me not in your anger, David asks, nor discipline me in your wrath. That's the prayer many of us today. No one likes to be rebuked or disciplined, especially by God, in his anger or wrath. I think that many of us are cleansed by God when he rebukes us. Helps us to see that we need to turn away from who we are and turn to who he is and see how faithful and righteous he really is in the discipline. As the saying goes, corn is clean by the wind, but the soul with chastening, chastening. George Herbert, an Anglican priest, poet, early 1500s. As Jeremiah so rightly says, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in anger, lest you bring me to nothing. See, Jeremiah didn't want to be rebuked by God in his anger. He knew it would destroy us, the same as David. The moral of the story here is we need boundaries. We need discipline. There are many people who think that that's a bad thing today. That if you discipline somebody, if you discipline your children, and you do it in a certain way, people actually will bring up charges against you. Now, I'm not saying children to the point where they're crying or feeling abused. But I can tell you growing up, what kind of brand like belt my dad had. I knew that well. I can tell you the shoes my mother would buy and slippers. 
But somehow my mother had like this ninja quality. I don't know if y'all, your mothers had this. Happy Mother's Day. But my mother was like a ninja with her slippers. She could throw them and they would like turn corners and still hit you. It was amazing. It was like a boomerang effect. And she didn't just have two. She didn't have two, three. She had like five, ten, fifteen. But this thing just kept coming. It's like, where are they at? discipline. These things are not bad, even though many people think they are bad. However, God, in His grace, corrects us. He helps us to know that we are His legitimate children. In fact, it says this in Hebrews, Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Ouch. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he reproves you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. What son is there whom his father does not discipline? I don't know if you all have seen this, but we've been in restaurants before where I'm watching parents. They don't care if their kid is being horrendously They don't seem to care at all. They're not telling them, oh, quiet down, it's going to be fine, don't worry, it'll be okay. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. 
Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and life? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Here, let me help you out. All discipline seems painful. All discipline seems painful. But later, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. That's the goal that David is asking for in this psalm. That's what he's trained by, this discipline, but that God doesn't do it in his anger or his wrath because it would be unbearable. And we have the same thing. David is saying that he's languishing in need of healing. His bones are in trouble. (laughs) I know what that means now. Having these kidney stones, I've been praying for healing. But my bones are hurting. Has anyone ever had kidney stones before? Yeah, they feel wonderful, don't they? They just come upon Starts talking about weeping and crying and filling his pillow with tears. Yeah, I know what that feels like now too. But discipline is something good for us. He's languishing and in need of healing. His bones are in trouble. Having these kidney stones is what really brought me to that point, I think. Because if you know why David's saying his bones are in trouble, you know why he needs prayer. But David takes his pain a little bit farther. He expands it even more. He says this in verse 3, My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? How long? Then he says, Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. He's asking because God has steadfast love for him. For in death there is no remembrance of you in Shaul, who will give you praise? See, David knows that when he dies and he goes to the grave, that's what Shaul is, when he goes to the grave, he can't praise God anymore there. I'm weary with my mourning, moaning, excuse me. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Let me help you guys understand something. Grief is a very real emotion. Grief is a very real emotion. Kaas in Hebrew. It's the word here for grief. It means vexation. Anger. It means bringing down or being disturbed, provoked to anger. It means to have true grief. David's having real pain He's flooding his bed with tears and drenching his couch with weeping. I know that many of you have lost loved ones. And you go through the stages of grief. The one thing you never hear from me, and hopefully you never hear from somebody, is 
Time heals all wounds. I can't stand that saying. If somebody's going through grief, please don't say time heals all wounds. It doesn't. It never changes. Grief is always that's going to be there. It hurts. You're saddened by it. And you take comfort in the, the fact that you have memories that can never be taken from you with that person that you love so dearly. I remember looking at my text messages recently and my aunt passed away on December 27th. She died of COVID. My uncle says he's not going to have a funeral for her. That's a weird thought. No funeral is going to happen because he's so angry right now. I'm like, I, I get it. I'm sorry. But he's in this stage of anger right now and grief. Grief is something that many want to go away but don't know how to keep healing from it. How about this one? <laughs> At least they lived a long life. Please stop saying those things. They're not helpful. What I hate the most, I think, is stay strong for the kids. You're young, you'll find someone else. I just had a funeral that I went to in January. A couple sweet ladies came to a guy who just lost his wife to cancer, and they said to him, You're a young man. You're going to find someone. At the funeral. I'm thinking, What are you doing? This guy's mourning the loss of his wife. Don't say those things. actually helps to study that people who have had similar experiences can learn to find healing from the grief they experience because of Rafa waves in their brain. Those who have similar Rafa waves or experiences in life seem to be able to experience physical healing for their brains. The study came out in 2019. The interesting thing is that God told us about that 2,000 years ago. Same thing. He said this, James 5, 6, 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. See, the practical way of overcoming grief is to be there for each other. To care for each other. To pray for each other. To love each other well. To help in times of need. That's what a family does for each other. That's why church is not just some club where you pay dues and get to hang out with each other. Church is a family. Church is a place where you can know what's going on with somebody. Not because of gossip, but because you care. Not because you want to know ooh, what's the dirt going on in their life. It's because you care and you pray. And on Wednesday night, we pray for each other. Yeah, a lot of times it becomes a healing issue. We're praying for different sicknesses or healing issues. But a lot of times it just comes to a point where I'll go through the, the phone directory and I'll just pray for you guys. And I'll pray for your kids. And I'll pray for your kids' kids. And I just ask that God's will be done. 
in their lives and in your lives so that they will experience true love, the love that comes from God. Because there are five stages of grief that we all go through when we lose a loved one. Denial is the first one. Anger is the second one. Bargaining is the third one. Depression is the fourth one. And then we get into acceptance. the longest. But David went through all of these stages in this psalm, and we get to see that God heals him. We get to see that when David prays, God answers. We get to see that when we pray, God answers. The best way to overcome grief is to find others who've gone through similar experiences and confess the different stages of grief to each other that we're in. So we know how to help each other, to lift each other up, to truly exhort well, we can actually turn away 
from the things that we were running to and actually turn around and run opposite to that to run to God. It's not enough to just complain about the evils that are happening in this world, but we must scourge out the evils of this world by turning to God in prayer. That's why it's very interesting to me. There are so many people who are overjoyed by the supposed decision that hasn't come down yet fully, but the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, potentially. That's what it looks like is happening, and someone leaked this out. And the reality is, many of us, including myself, are extremely overjoyed by this. But let me tell you something. All that means is legal murder is no longer a government thing. It now goes to the states to make decisions. And guess what? There are states out there that still say abortion's okay. In fact, there are some states on the east and the west that actually have abortion all the way to just before you give birth. It's called partial birth abortion. See, what they do is they have the baby come out with the head still in the mom, and then they stick it in the back of the head and suck the brain out. It's very graphic. That's legal in some states. This is just one thing that many pro-life people have been praying that God would get rid of that God would stop, that the Canaanites used to worship Moloch and they would rip babies from their mother's arms and sacrifice it on a bronze Moloch statue. They did that for over 400 years before God told David to wipe them completely out. How long has the United States been around? How long has it allowed legal abortion? So my question to all of us is that we are overjoyed because of a court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, but what are we praying for? Because we need real prayer warriors to love women who've had to make that tough decision. See, it is a tough decision to either keep or get rid of a baby. There are some women who think that the church hate them because they've gone through abortions. No, we don't hate you at all. In fact, we love you. We want to be there for you. We want to help you. And the way we can do that is we can either adopt children more, we can teach people to stop having sex outside of marriage, or we can do some things practically to help a woman. And that's why I like the the Pregnancy Resource Center downtown. They actually have a, a shopping place for women to come and buy nothing. They get it for free. They get diapers and, and pacifiers and bottles, and they help these young women make decisions to keep the baby. And then to keep the baby, we try to take care of the women as they're moving on in life. See, I grew up and I went to college, and there was a woman in my church, and they brought her up, and she started talking about how she was raped. Not once.
gave birth to both of them. One of them is a cancer doctor. And he asked her, what was it like? You were right. What, what were you? She said, you know what? It's been the greatest joy of my life to have these two kids. The fact that they were conceived the way they were, I can't change. But I can tell you the joy that I have of these two boys is one of them is an actual cancer doctor. And he's working on trying to help with cancer and figuring out a cure for it. She said, what would I do if I had aborted that baby that God had given me? Even though I didn't want it that way, God gave me a baby that is maybe potentially going to cure cancer. It was amazing to hear her story. It was amazing to see the church actually come alongside her and love her in the midst of what this tragic event was in her life. She has issues. She's never been married because of these two things that happened to her. She doesn't know how to trust, she said. She struggles with loving men. I would get that totally. I would totally understand what she's saying. And yet the church took care of her. That's what we need to be doing is to love these people well. We need to be prayer warriors, looking and praying to God for answers and asking for God's will to be done. Otherwise, man's will gets done, and it's a disaster. Charles Spurgeon rightly said this, A pardoned sinner will hate the sins which cost the Savior his blood. Let me say that again. A pardoned sinner will hate the sins which cost the Savior his blood. the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We can have confidence that when we pray, He's going to hear our prayers. We have assured confidence. It's not an idle dream. When we lean not on our own understanding, when we turn to the Holy Spirit, and we can know that He's bestowed on us the gift of hearing our prayers, that's an amazing thing for us. That's why this psalm is all about repentance and prayer. He sang it earlier. Take it to Jesus in prayer. What a friend we have. Because we know in reality that this world is difficult. It's hard on many people. But I'm scared that the church has lost its ability to pray go to the Lord with prayer. Do you know there's actual churches today that don't have prayer meetings anymore? That saddens me. It saddens me deeply because that means the church doesn't believe that prayer is actually going to work or has any effect on God. That's what David is telling us here is to have confidence and to not doubt that our prayers are accepted and heard by the Lord. The idea here is he shall, he will. He shall hear our prayers. He's going to accept our prayers and answer our prayers. How many of us believe this of the Lord? It doesn't mean we're going to get everything we ask for, but it does mean that God's going to listen. He's going to answer, which is huge for people to understand and to know. 
church needs to model this to the world. See, we have a world right now that's very cynical towards prayer. You've heard politicians and, and leaders and people say, I don't need your prayers. I just need you to fix the problem. That is fixing the problem. That's being there for each other. When we truly repent and turn from our ways and turn to His ways, there's only one way we can truly lean on Him, and that's through prayer. And now we have the confidence, the assurance that God hears our prayers. When we turn from our ways and turn to His ways, we need to be praying those who are struggling. We need to be caring for those who are going through difficult times, whether it's money, whether it's drugs, whether it's sex, whether it's alcohol. We need to be there. It's an amazing gift to see a woman love when she was treated so poorly. It's an amazing gift to see a child born. I got the opportunity to see it four times. I got to see my wife in such different strength that I don't think I ever could have gone through. Even though I have kidney stones and they're just as hard as giving birth, I'm going to die by that statement, especially on Mother's Day. (laughs) You're with me on it? Thank you. I got an amen for that one. today. That's the practical application is to just pray and see. And then what I would ask you to do is when you do pray, write it down in a book. Write it down in a journal. And write down what you actually specifically ask God for and then do something for me. A year, two years, five years from now, go back to that book, open it up and see what you prayed for and see if God answered it. You know what's amazing? I went through a 40-day fast several years ago about going into ministry. I went through a 40-day fast, and it was the most hard, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And I started to write down my prayers, Lord, help me with this, help me with that, give me that. And I went through it a couple years ago, and I went through it, and I went, whoa, God answered that prayer. God answered that prayer. God answered that prayer. And I went through, and He answered all my prayers. Many of them were no. But it was amazing to see that I'd asked for certain things and God gave them to me. And it was amazing to see that I asked for certain things and God said, no, you don't need that right now. And so I'm asking us to just practically write something down. You can use the back of the bulletin if you needed to. Just write something down. Save it and then go back to it after a year or even two years or even five years and see. Many of it could be you're praying for your spouse. It could be you're praying that you get a spouse for all you single people. It could be that you're praying for your spouse that they can find healing. It could be you're praying for one of your people in the church that you're praying for them and their healing. But just write it down and watch what God's going to do. Look back after a year. Man, look back after six months. You'll be surprised. And that's what I'm asking us to do as a church truly repent, turn from our ways and turn to God's ways and then to pray with confidence. That's what we can do. In fact, let's do that very thing right now.
Heavenly Father, we pray right now. I know that it's Mother's Day, and so we pray for our mothers, that we would love them well. Yeah, we talk back. Sure, we don't always obey. But our mothers cared for us deeply. Many of our mothers breastfed us, took care of us, carried us for ten months, gave birth to us, went through pain and suffering for us. And yet, Lord, we take them so many times for granted. Help us to not do that anymore. Help us to truly number our days and appreciate that we only have certain numbers of days left to love our moms here on earth. It's not going to last forever. And I know, Lord, I've taken it for granted. I pray that many of us who have taken it for granted would truly turn from our ways and turn to your ways and pray with confidence that we can have a special day today with our moms. That we can love our moms well. That we can show affection to our mothers as much as she's shown affection to us. just wish that they could open up the telephone and dial her number and talk to her just one more time. Lord, that chance is gone now. So we just pray for comfort and healing in that stage of grief that maybe some of us are in acceptance with our moms not being here anymore. Lord, I just pray that we as a church would learn to love other well, that we would truly come to you in prayer and have confidence that you're going to hear, accept, and answer our prayers. The idea that you shall and you will need to be forged in our hearts. Lord, help us to pray with confidence. Thank you for all that you do. Just truly be thankful for what they are.